Welcome to the EQ Podcast. Welcome to the EQ Podcast, a show focused on equipping ministry leaders within the Calvary Chapel Association of the Pacific Northwest. I'm your host, Zach Lamerson, and I have on the show another friend of mine, Pastor Calvary Chapel Walla Walla, Tom Rush. How are you doing, Tom? Hey, I'm good. So, Tom, here's my first question, and here's I typically ask my guests, how did you get here? I'm not talking about the podcast, obviously. You know how we got there. Uh, But how did you get into ministry? Could you give us like a quick origin story of Tom Rush, how you got saved, and then also how you got called into ministry and what transitioned you into planting Calvary Chapel Walla Walla. You've been there for over 10 years now. When did you plant Calvary Chapel Walla Walla? Yeah, two, we planted in 2011. We moved here and planted that year. So it's been 12, 12 years now. Yeah. Awesome. So what's your kind of your origin, your background a little bit for our listeners? So um, I grew up... Uh, I grew up going to Calvary Chapel um, in Olympia at uh, Pastor Chuck Lynn's church. Um, that's now John Sine's pastoring that now. Uh, he retired. Chuck Lynn retired. Um, grew up going there really young. Like, I think we were three. I was three when we first started going. And uh, grew up in that church. Um, I, I remember asking Jesus into my heart. I think I was two. Maybe I was three. I was at uh, VBS. Um, not a Calvary VBS, but I was at a VBS that my neighbor took me to. And, uh, I think it was kind of a crazy hyper charismatic church, but I, I remember that was like, that was it. Like I asked Jesus into my heart and I never, that never, like, I never doubt that. However, um, when I was 11, we had a, a, uh, a guy come visit the church. I think his name was Joseph Jones. He had been like a drug, like whatever drug Lord kind of drug selling higher up and had this crazy story and it like you know his testimony convicted me and the holy spirit got a hold of my heart and i it was, i think i was visiting my my big sisters they had a youth event and i was just there so mm. gave my heart to the lord there um the that really that was a big that was like immediate change for me um i got baptized that summer and then in the fall, back in that time, we did all these, uh, our church did all these things with Lane Taylor. We would do these outreaches and stuff. And uh, we had a Crystal Lewis concert and, a, you know, like an evangelistic Crystal Lewis concert and did a crusade. It was just at our local church. And uh, I remember Wayne was up giving the altar call. And as a pastor now, I just like cringe. I'm like, I cannot believe that this happened. But um, so... Uh, he was up giving the altar call, like their band was still playing a little bit and stuff. And I just felt like the Holy Spirit was like, you need to go and give your testimony. I didn't even know what it, I was 11. I didn't know what a testimony was. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> like, you need to go, you need to go talk to people. And uh, I was just like, I don't want to do that. <laughs> you know? And, uh, and it was really, really strong. So I like went up to the front of this stage and, I think Wayne was still talking and I cannot believe that he did this, but I was like, Hey, can I have the mic? I want, God wants me to share something or I don't know what I said, but I, I like shared my testimony. Uh, 
and I, I mean, apparently it was like not that inappropriate, but it was pretty crazy. Like <laughs> I asked him about it years later and he's like, didn't remember that that had happened. I'd probably try to forget too, but yeah, uh, <laughs> it takes a lot of bravery but, to let 11 year old stand up on stage and give his testimony. Like I thought, yeah, I thought I was him. being, I thought I was being really like off the wall and I'm like, no, nah, that was, that was a lot of bravery. <laughs> like, can I have the mic? I'd be like, no. <laughs> um, but then, uh, yeah, I, I, I don't know. I didn't have like plans or anything at the time. I was going to be a jet pilot when I grew up. Um, but when, you know, we were always at the church, like our family, I was there, you know, four days a week for a long period of time. We, my family's not in ministry or anything. We were just there. It was right. what we did. Um, and did some, uh, short-term mission trips, you know, to Tijuana and that kind of thing. One of those trips, uh, we were doing a DT at one of the DTS centers through YWAM in LA and, uh, the Lord, you know, again, kind of put a call on my life. So like, there's kind of these stages, like I was a little kid and I know I gave my heart to the Lord. I know that mattered. And then, you know, later on it was like, yeah, but you know, I want your life. And then the call to ministry, I was about 14 and I really felt like God called me to missions. And so from that point, I, I knew that that was what I wanted to do. Um, and I did some like midterm missions. I did something through Applegate. They have that ministry down in Mexico, the little orphanage. I don't know if they still have it, but they had that at that time. So I spent a summer there and then uh, I really wanted to just go do missions. I didn't want to go to like Bible college or anything like that. But uh, I, God kind of cut me up pulled me up short and was like, you know, you're still an idiot. So you need to go, yeah. <laughs> you need some training. So, so I did, I went to, I went to Bible college. I went to the Marietta campus, um, was there for a semester. And then, uh, pastor trip, uh, uh, Kimball, uh, he came to the campus and was talking about what he was doing in Dumaguete, Philippines. And the, the, he had an extension campus there that he was just, it mostly was for Filipino, uh, people with like a training center and uh he was going to open it up for just a few u.s students so me and a, another friend of mine eric johansson we we went kind of together uh to that there was a couple other u.s students that wound up going but um i did that and i was really focused on missions um and then some pretty crazy family stuff happened and i wound up uh right at the end of my time there as a student I was planning on staying and, and like helping out with the school um, and had to come home. And then I wound up kind of in a doldrums of like ministry, um, not knowing what next I was going to do. So I, uh, my youth pastor who at the, when I was in youth group, I was pretty spiritually proud and messed up and really legalistic. And I just one of those like, know-it-all Bible nerd kids. It was really annoying. Uh, so God was doing stuff in my heart, but I had a lot of like humbling to get done. Still probably that's what's going on. Uh, but uh, so I didn't get along with my youth pastor for some reason. But <laughs> you thought you knew better than him. Because I thought I, I was way smarter than him and yeah, better yeah. than him. Yeah, that's pretty much how <laughs> I wasn't, but that's what I thought. But um. God, yeah, so he was starting a church in Aberdeen. His name's Sean Hall, and he's still pastoring out there. Awesome, awesome guy. Um, and so 
he was just starting like doing Sunday night Bible studies with a couple people that had been coming out to Olympia. It's like an hour from there and uh, doing that church plant thing. So uh, there was like not much to do. There's there a lot of positions that were like filled at the Calvary and Olympia from like other students and stuff. And so I just started going out there and helping him. And then I met my wife doing that. Uh, she came and helped, like she lived in Olympia was one of the other graduate Bible students, Bible college students from Marietta. And she, uh, she started coming out with me and we, we wound up moving there and helping with that church for eight years. And then in 2010, I really felt like God was, uh, putting it on my heart to start a church, but I didn't know where. Uh, so I moved back to Olympia, Olympia. One of the things Chuck Lind is really, uh, excelled at is sending people out. I yeah, was just kind sure. of that church is just a spider. It just there's like a web of churches that go out from it. So um, we went back there and I thought it would be more of a long term stay, but it was really only like eight months that we were there. And we found out that there was not a church here in Walla Walla. And that's what we were looking for, like a little town that didn't have a church that or, well, didn't have a Calvary Chapel church. Right. Um, and so there was actually a, a small church plant that Rick Standard um, was, uh, just kind of about to, uh, wrap up and kind of fold. And so there was a group of people that were interested in, in starting again. And so we wound up coming out and doing that in 2011. And so it's a, it was a weird, that was a weird experience because I really didn't know how to start a church. Um, like, you know, build a team, find a place, you know, start advertising or I, there was a lot of stuff I didn't, I was just like, I don't even know how to start that. And it turned out there was a little group of people that just already wanted to have services. So that's, it was a weird start, but that's how we started. So, Oh, that's awesome. So you kind of just jumped in and had a little bit of a, a maybe the rem, remnants of a, a church that was already there that you kind of were able to kind of start. Yeah. So bit. organizationally we totally restarted, but it was with people that had been a part of a, a Calvary, you know, at Calvary, at least doctrinally, at Calvary Church and, and stuff like that. So yeah, it's helpful. So you're you're what we call in the game a tent maker, in that you still have a part time job to help supplement your income. What my question is, what what encouragement would you give to someone wanting to plant a church and would need to find a job to support themselves during that process? Um, I that's been like a that's been a thing that I've I I, I have struggled with. I think that people struggle with that, like. You know, they, they know it's kind of like being a musician, you know, like when he, like I want to make money. I want to be able to do this full time. But I also want to eat. I want to eat. My wife keeps complaining yeah, <laughs> about yeah. the kids being hungry. But um, I actually, well, so uh, Pastor Sean uh, in, in uh, I watched him start that church and go from, you know, the first eight years is kind of that starting period. And he had support from the Calvary and Olympia, I think for like a year or six months, or he'd have to tell you, but um, he had support because he had been on salary and then they had to, you know, he wasn't there anymore. Eventually they were very supportive, but in a kind of Calvary Chapel, like, here you go. Yeah. In a way, like that's our deal. <clears throat> So um, they they helped him out, but then he had to find a job and he was working a couple part-time jobs, like, you know, just doing whatever. Um, it's hard to, part-time jobs are hard to make good money doing. And so um, I, during that time, had an inkling that I was going to have to do that if I was going to be a part of a Calvary Chapel plant or, 
ministry start of some sort. And I, I knew pretty halfway through the period of time that I was there that that's what we were going to do. Like mm-hmm. we did, we weren't ready to go do it, but it was time to prepare. So I went to nursing school because I have family that's, that are nurses and uh, that was a job. Like I prepared to do this job, this job as a bivocational job. So I had previous to that time was a carpenter and had been pretty successful with that. But I thought, you know, that small business is such a hard, it's hard to be an entrepreneur. I know Steve did that very successfully. Um, I think he had been, I hadn't started a small business though. So I was like, what I would have to do is go and start a small business without that, that experience. I had a little bit of business experience with starting my own stuff kind of, uh, in a slipshod way. And I was like, Hmm, I don't like that. It was also 2008 and the building market was garbage. It was a bad time to start a business. Yeah. I was like, (laughs) I need to, I need to just have a job that I can, that I can taper and, and, you know, kind of titrate for what our family needs. And so that has worked out really well, um, for us. So on one hand, it's kind of like not what you want to do. Like you want to plan to, I mean, if you're a pastor, if it's your calling, that's like, this is what I want to do. Um, but if you know, that's kind of in the cards for you, it's okay to like, my encouragement would be, it's like, it's okay to like, if that's what the Lord's calling me into, then I, that it's okay to like pursue that a little bit, invest in it and, and make a good version of that. That's paid off in spades for me. So, um, also second thing is that that job has been one of the biggest blessings for me in evangelism and ministry. Like I has, I can't not just patience. I mean like the long game of working with people for, it's been 12 years now. I have really good relationships with people at work and um, I spend so much time talking to people about the Lord and I cannot believe there's people that I work with because I'm kind of a knucklehead right? and I'm goofy and sarcastic and I'm, you know, and uh, (laughs) I cannot believe there are people that I work with that are like, I want to come to your church. (laughs) Why would you? (laughs) I'm pretty sure I completely blew my witness so many times with you. (laughs) And they're like, oh, we should try it out. Oh, we love it. (laughs) I'm like, that doesn't, okay, fine. But (laughs) you know what you're going to get. I disagree with you. That's good. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think that's, I mean, I'm, we're still doing that. I'm still like, I, I got my nursing degree thinking that would be a two year, like I would do that. Cause I wasn't, I could, I could afford to do it. Um, we didn't have kids and my wife could work and help me get through that. Um, I just, I thought it would be like a five year thing and I've been a nurse for 16 years now. So it's been a long time, but you know, in Washington, they just keep giving me raises. It's a union state. So I, I don't, I only work there. I work there like 24 hours a week and I don't think there's another job in the world that they'd be like, well, good job this year. Here's another raise. Like you work for us part time. <laughs> like right. it's, and I, yeah. So that's, you know, that kind of thing, like invest a little bit into it. Don't just, don't just like kind of, mm, you can, you can cause yourself grief just hoping that there's something else, you know? No, that's like, good. Good advice. Yeah. For a long time, you you worked full time. So you basically worked both as full time as a pastor and then as as a nurse. And and then your transition to part time. What does that transition look like? And when did you know you need to kind of cut back? Um. So that's been a back and forth thing. Um. We have just looked at consistently looked at what uh, the church needed. So when I first started, 
uh, I worked what they call per diem, which is uh, essentially your unit or units. I work on a bunch of different units or can. Um, they'll just say like how many days they need. And then you say, yeah, I'll work this day, that day, this day, that day. And I did that for six years after we moved here, uh, six or seven. And uh, that worked out really good because uh, I could just like tailor tailor my work schedule for whatever God wanted me to be doing or whatever. Right. Um, but man, we were doing the, the, like, we, we've also had this backstory of, of, I think five or six different church locations and all of them like remote, you know, box church, set up church on Saturday, on Sunday morning and do church. And, uh, we got to a place where I was like watching, watching church members fatigue, myself being fatigued, just, just doing the logistical setup was like the, all the extracurricular our church could handle for just because it's so much work. And so people that are willing hearts and ready to serve their service looked like putting out chairs, which is great. But I know that, you know, eventually people want, just want to like do outreach (laughs) and they have the energy to do that. And so um, we, it was a weird thing. Uh, God put it on my heart uh, in October, about six years ago. I'm just going to give generalizations because I'm not good with dates. But about six years ago in October, God put it on my heart. I was working uh, per diem still. And there was a position that I could take. It was full time. And I that doesn't make sense to me. Like, why would I go to more work? Financially, the church was doing great. Uh, everything was fine. But it felt like that was the thing I was supposed to do. So I was like, okay. And what we did when we did that was I had been taking like a partial housing allowance from the church. And so I quit taking that and I just went to work full time and I didn't have anything to spend the money on. I just felt like that was like literally just like, this is what you should do. And I was like, I don't really want to. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) I wanted to be a pastor when I grew up, not do this. um, But I did. And then in January, our building fell through the one we were leasing. And, uh, we had, uh, we had like a month to find another building and there was a, an, a bar, uh, a like condemned bar across town. And we leased that, we remodeled the inside of it and, uh, we got our, it, it, essentially it was a direct trade. So what I had been taking as a housing allowance was exactly within like $50, uh, exactly what it cost us to lease the building. And the trade-off was like, it's what I wanted. I've been talking to him like, God, we need a building. Like we can't yeah. just keep doing this box church thing. And he's like, well, why don't you go work full time? I'm like, are you kicking me out in ministry? Like, I don't understand. <laughs> <laughs> like, I, this is kind of not the direction I was hoping to go. What I want is, you know, uh, this to happen. And when I saw the, you know, we've got the lease, finalized and stuff. And I realized that was exactly the trade I'd made. I was like, Oh, this is, this is awesome. Because right. the church at the time didn't, didn't need me to be in an office, you know, five days a week, the church needed a place to meet and a place to welcome people to. And that changed a lot for us. So um, now we have gotten into a, you know, the church has grown and I'm taking about the same housing allowance I was back then, but it just was for a period of time. And so, when that transition happened, I switched back to taking a partial and working part time again. So, well, that worked out. Yeah. That worked out, and you, I like how you know you kind of had the expectation that you know at first you're going to be part time and you're going to transition to less 
hours of work and more church, but God had kind of reversed it for a season and you didn't know yeah. why, but obviously there's a purpose there. So that's, I think that's yeah. good. And I, I was like, if there was, if, if I had, you know, as far as my time during my day, if I, if I was going to go volunteer somewhere uh, or volunteer at the church to make a building work for the church, I would spend the extra 20 because, you know, it's like another 20 hours. It's like, I would spend 20 hours working as a maintenance guy on a building for, the sake of having a building. So I, I just realized after the fact, I was like, literally, this is paying for that. Like, it's great. <laughs> it worked out perfect. Yeah. So it's pretty great. That's awesome. So I had a question. Walla Walla has a lot of Seventh-day Adventists. Have you interacted much with them or had any, you know, start coming to your church? I, mean, I just know that demographic. Yeah. I was curious if you had some insight under that. We have, we have a lot of Seventh-day Adventists. We have uh, quite a few ex-Seventh-day Adventists as well. Um, yeah, one one of the things I mean, through work, I meet a lot of people and um, have had this cool that job I took that full time position. Uh, during that period of time, I got really close. It was a small unit. We spent a ton of time together. I got really close with some of the guys, and uh, we did a Bible study for like two years. Um, and uh, they were like, "Hey, let's go through." I went. One of the guys went through a rough period of time, and I spent like six months going through the book of Romans with him. And, uh, and then another guy, um, they wanted to do a Bible study. So we did a Bible study at my house for like two years. They did Romans and then they, they wanted to do Galatians. And, uh, that was hilarious. Cause I was like, yeah. you guys know that Galatians is like the, the, like, you know, pulls the pen out of Adventism, right? <laughs> like, <laughs> you know, this is like, we did Romans. And now you yeah, Romans would be the other book, like, I would think. Well, we never do Galatians in our church. And I was like, yeah, I forgot you don't. <laughs> <laughs> you guys don't do that. It's weird. <laughs> weird. I don't understand why you wouldn't. Um, so, yeah, there's a lot. There's a lot of Adventism uh, in this town. And, uh it's a lot of, you know, it's basic legalism. I, I have the, you know, I told you, you mentioned that I was a pretty spiritually proud young guy. And I don't know how I managed to, but I managed to grow up like theologically super legalistic as a kid in a not legalistic church. Yeah. Um, but I did. And uh, so I identify quite a bit with their, like kind of their struggle and that, that kind of lifestyle. Um, so that's been that's been a kind of a constant a constant thing um reaching out to them so um i don't know i feel like it's such a broad thing is there a more specific thing you were wondering about that no, i was just curious how that interaction I, goes or yeah yeah i mean i know like i said it's just an area that i know you know when i think of you know certain parts of idaho i'm like well that's really inundated with mormons so i've asked questions like how mm -hmm. do you guys you know how do you guys do outreach or how do you engage with it yeah well, and that, you know, it's one-on-one. -on -one. I think that's the best with any, with any call, like the frontal approach on your porch is like minimal, you know, when they're yeah. geared up with their, their notebook and their algorithm of how to defeat Christianity, it's, it's a non-starter, but uh, relationship wise, it, it's that long game I was talking about, yep. you know? Um, but uh I had a, I had a really cool experience. You know, there's a lot of believers, probably, you know, most people know there's a lot of believers in the Adventist church that are like true doctrine, born again, believers, yep. uh, mostly due to ignorance about their doctrine. One of the great things that Adventism does, uh, is they kind of obscure their actual church doctrine for a lot of people. 
like, and there's kind of an active undercurrent of people that are trying to do that because they don't believe in LNG white or the core doctrines of the church. And they, they don't feel like leaving the church just out of like loyalty. And, you know, they'd rather reform it from inside. Yep. I met a guy that was way into the gospel coalition uh, pretty early on in our church plant. And he uh, started coming to Bible studies at our church and stuff like that. Really great guy. Born again, filled with the spirit, on fire for the Lord. Came to me and was like, what do I do? I'm like an elder at the Adventist church. And I was like, you know, do I leave? Do I, pro, you know, do I nail something to the door and walk out? Or what do I do <laughs> like this? Like what I literally, like, I don't know what to do because I don't believe what this church believes anymore. And I was like, well, uh, why don't you do what Paul did? Like he would just say what he thought at synagogues until they kicked him out. And then he left. Yeah. <laughs> so he did that. He did that for about three years. And his, his pastor was very sympathetic to what he was doing. Um, too uh, compromised, maybe, uh, whatever you want to call it, too shy to do that himself because he would be scrutinized really heavily. Yeah. So this guy, uh, this pastor, he, or this elder, he said that his pastor would send him to like all the little satellite churches that don't have regular, he was an itinerant preacher in the area. Oh, and cool. he would go and like, they wouldn't invite him back, but he'd just lay out the gospel when he went yes. and like full on. Yeah. So that was, I mean, that, that kind of, that's been my experience. A lot of ex-Adventists that just don't know where to go. They've been told all the other churches are anathema or whatever. And so they don't know what to do. Um, but yeah, that, that's kind of a part of it. No, but there's great. a lot of that undercurrent. So I heard you speak at our school of ministry once, and you told a story about the time that you you got to ask Chuck Smith a question at a pastor's conference. I think it was a pastor's conference, but uh, yeah. I want to. I just want the listeners to hear what was the question, and then how did he respond? Because I thought it was such a good encouragement for for people. <laughs> okay. Um, well, so I was going to. I was at a youth pastors conference, and uh, they used to do these open mics, you know, where they put. It was just like. I don't, I'm sure it's again, like one of those things I'm like, I don't know why Chuck tolerated that. That'd be really irritating. <laughs> like, you know, but, but these guys set him up with an open mic, you know? Right. So there's a line of people. And I, at the time was, uh, I, I was knowing my story a little bit. It's good because it'll shorten this, but I was really strongly desiring to, uh, to know what God had for me in the future. I I'd started helping with that church it was only like two years into being at the church in Aberdeen and I really felt like I had missed uh on one hand had missed a huge calling and opportunity due to kind of circumstances beyond my control with my family and struggling with that like okay I didn't do that plan of that God had for me now is there a plan and what is that plan I'm just gonna be faithful and keep grinding away but I'd like to know what the plan is. Yeah. Um, and so I was in that period where of like waiting. And I think he somebody's been talking about waiting and, and what that means and stuff. And I, I asked him, uh, how do, how do I, I can't remember exactly my question, but I, it was like, I kind of explained like I'm waiting, but how do I wait? Well, right. Like, how do I, how do I do, how do I be better at waiting while I wait? And, uh, he totally blew me off. Like, and I was super mad at him. Uh, <laughs> Cause he was just like, I don't even, I don't think, I think it was one of those times where he didn't understand my question. And it was just like, sounded like a stupid question. And it, 
honestly, it might've been like emotionally or spiritually a stupid question. Um, like in retrospect, I wasn't me. I wasn't being flippant, but I was just like, I, you know, I'm supposed to be waiting. What are you, what do you do while you wait? And, uh, I don't remember what my great answer was for that last time I talked to you. Um, but I know, I know that, that like, uh, you know, that, that verse, it says that those who wait on the Lord will renew their strength. They'll mount up with wings like eagles. And I, it's occurred to me that waiting on the Lord is just literally not anything more like spiritual than that. Like it's, it's being willing to not move forward until God tells you what it really is that you're moving forward into and not, you know, Bob Hoekstra used to say, don't just do something, stand there. Uh, you know, talking about standing in the grace of God. (laughs) And, uh, I, I think that that for me, that's been a thing over the last year or so that God's just put on my heart is to, you know, to let people know that, you know, Saul waited on Samuel, uh, when he was going to make the sacrifice because the people were starting. And then he, he was waiting, but with like an ultimatum, like I'll wait this long, but no longer. Mm Mm-hmm. And waiting on the Lord means that you've determined that you're going to wait on him until you hear from him. What's the next thing to do? Not like, well, I'll wait this long and then it's on you. I had to go do something. Yeah. So, um, yeah. So I think that's, that's at least where I'm at with it right now. I hope that <laughs> no, <that's laughs> I don't know good. what inspiring. I remember, I said, but, well, <laughs> I, this is what I remember from the question yeah. and maybe, maybe you'll, it'll, it'll click for you, but Chuck's sure. response is what, what stood out to me. And you said that he said, just be faithful. Just be faithful. Mm-hmm. And then you're kind of like, yeah, whatever. Like, what is that? Does it do me any good? And I, yeah. I've used that so much since you said that because I, I've, you know, I do ministry with young adults and they're always looking for yeah. that. What do I need to do? What can I do right now? How do I move on? And, you know, I just tell them, you know, wherever you're at, just be faithful. If you're right now, mm-hmm. you know, if, if you're, you know, the greeter, or if you're moving chairs or, you know, you have that ministry and you kind of have ambitions to do something greater just yeah. that encouragement to be faithful where you're at in that moment. And I think you told me, like, I remember you saying that you, you didn't like that answer from Chuck and you're kind of mad at him. And so. Yeah. And it was probably, yeah. And that, that, that probably is what he said. Uh, it's essentially, that's definitely what it, it came down to. Like yeah. verbatim, that's what he said or not. That's what, that's what he was said. Just like, well, just, just keep being faithful to what you're doing. And uh, I was like, you know, in my head, I was like, I am, but I'm not happy about it. And, and that, but that is an answer. Like, don't, and I guess that's part of what I, what I was trying to say without knowing, I could not remembering what Chuck had said, but time, but um, yeah, like just don't, don't be like, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to be faithful, but only for this period of time. And then something better crack. Yeah. Is we, you know, planning this church, it's been, you know, or being bivocational. Like I could have put a timeline on that. Like, well, I'll be bivocational, but only for a couple of years. Yeah. And if I'd have had a timeline on that, we'd have passed it so long ago. I don't know where I'd be, but I like where I, I like what we're doing. I like where our church is at, but, uh, I wouldn't be, we wouldn't be doing this if I'd have been like, well, fully on that, I'm going to go, you know, <laughs> I'm just going to go do something else or, uh, go find a job at a church, which wasn't my calling, you know? So, yeah. yeah. No, that's good. I think that encouragement to, to not put a time limit on things, especially like you said, when you have an expectation of, I feel like God's going to call me to this position or this place. And in that waiting, you kind of have a timeline for what it looks like. And just to be, just yeah. to be and patient and faithful during that process is, is really 
I think, an encouragement that guys need to hear. Because, like, there are guys in your exact position, you know, that uh, are in some kind of waiting period. They're in bivocational, wanting to be in full-time ministry, not because it's it's the end game of, of finances or something. It's really like right. you want to be able to pour your heart into what you're doing. Yeah. But, I mean, I get the 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 expectation of like, that's going to somehow be more fulfilling, but I love what you're doing, Tom, because you are, like you said, you get one of the things that, uh, you know, I've been on full-time staff at Calvary for, for 18 years. And so I don't get the interaction. I don't get to do the witnessing and the stuff. I mean, people come into my office and, you know, I've witnessed people gotten saved, but not like, you know, where I'm on the job with people and, and sharing with non-believers yeah. and that interaction, especially with patients each day, just kind of getting. And so there's an aspect of, from my perspective, that I am jealous of what you're doing. So I think it's good. Uh, yeah. And it's easy to forget that. Um, but I, yeah, like they pay me to go interact with the world. Like I would have to go look for that. Otherwise, yeah. <laughs> they pay me to be there. <laughs> it's crazy. And yeah, you did um, a good job too. That you're helping people, so they kind of want to receive that. But I think that's that's yeah. cool. I was building super expensive boats for rich people, and that was part of that decision process. I was like, I don't think I can do this like with enthusiasm. Like, yeah. you know, I need to be doing something that fits like my calling. So, yeah, that's part of it. No, I think that's good um, advice too for someone's looking for bivocational, do something that you're still passionate about and something you could still use your ministry and building boats for rich people. I don't know that's gonna fulfill that. Yeah. I haven't I learned a lot of crazy woodworking skills, but there's really little application for them on like a day to day basis for anybody. I don't I can't even buy the glue that we used to use. So <laughs> <laughs> that's great. All right, so here's our lightning round questions. These are questions okay. I ask every pastor. Uh, just real quick answers. Number one is who's your go-to pastor to listen to, dead or alive? Uh, Steve, actually, who right. I wind up listening to. And it's, well, he's not uh, even on the podcast. Yeah. He's usually co-hosting with me, and you, you got to. Yeah. Well, I would have been really embarrassed, but yeah, <laughs> like, <laughs> oh, wow, <laughs> it's gonna sound like that. But, yeah, I like I like listening to Steve because um, I know him and I can talk to him, and uh, he's a really good pastor. Like he's a really good teacher. So yeah, it's great. Also, availability matters. That's one of the reasons we went with like Subsplash and got an app, and because it's like being able to get the content is a thing. I probably I'm just super lazy. I don't go look for it very good, but I like listening <laughs> to Steve. So. That's yep. awesome. How about a recent good read, a book you've been reading that you think would be cool for, for guys to, to know? Um, one of my favorite books that I haven't been reading lately because I gave it to one of my uh, elders to read and he hasn't finished it yet. Actually, he hasn't started it yet. He needs to get on the stick. Uh, is Preachers and Preaching, uh, Martin Lloyd-Jones. Okay, awesome. That was, that's one of my favorite ones. And last one is, what's one piece of advice you'd give for someone uh, in ministry, whether it's full-time or part-time, what's, what's a piece of advice you just like want to impart to someone? I think, uh, you know, don't grow weary in, in doing good. In due time, you'll reap a harvest. Part of that, uh, it's, it's part of like what we were talking about, that being faithful. But, um, you know, think about that, uh, you know, we just, we just want, we want to see things happen um, and get discouraged when the timeline doesn't fit our expectations and to not be, to not be, uh, 
discouraged in the day of small things. So, no, that's good. Yeah. I appreciate Tom. Thanks so much for coming on the podcast and hanging out with me. I appreciate your time and uh, praying for you guys and what God's doing there in Walla Walla. I know, you know, it's it's a stone's throw away from Tri Cities, so I mean, we see you guys quite often. But it's it is really yeah. cool to see what God's been doing over the years there in your ministry. So, great. Thank you, Zach. Thanks for uh, talking with me and appreciate the opportunity to to do this. Yep. Thanks, Ben. The EQ Podcast is here as a resource for our listeners. Check us out at eqministry.com. On our website, you'll find a variety of helpful tools, including past ministry conferences and a contact form to seek out help or counsel from seasoned Calvary pastors who want to encourage you in your serving or answer your ministry-related questions. Until next time, God bless. God bless.